0: So we breathe and relax. Surrender to the soothing effect of gravity while keeping the dignity of the upright spine We might briefly scan through the terrain of body and mind to know how this moment is weighing on us. to know how it feels to know that we'll sit for a period of 45 minutes. Any ways we're braced against the possibilities, discomfort or boredom, we seek some reassurance. That reassurance might come in the form of our intention. Reassurance might come as a kind of commitment to wisdom and love and waking up. That reassurance might come from knowing that many have walked this path before us, and many will follow us, And no matter how boxed in the moment might feel, the conditions are present for us to become more free. We have what we need to become more free. We need to look nowhere else other than here. As we connect with the, the anchor of attention, or most that's the, the sensations of, of uh, the breathing. As we connect with this, it can be helpful to stabilize the internal gaze, so often the internal gaze is flitting about as if we're looking at different spots of the internal mental screen can be useful just to find a place in the darkness, the brightness of the internal mental screen and gently rest the attention in one place. It's a big deal to be present for even one breath. To be present, to be awake to what's here, is very much interwoven with letting go, with a kind of radical inner nonviolence. The Buddha said, uh, whatever is not yours, let go of it. Your letting go will be for your long-term benefit and welfare. And then asks, what is not yours? The answer, of course, is everything. Whatever feels like a possession, like your own, like it's under your control, surrender that to awareness. Moment by moment, we make peace with the human condition It's through the imperfection of the moment that we walk through a door into completeness. The Buddha said pleasure and pain are not problems. But craving and aversion complicate everything. Over the years of practice, developed a kind of um, of reverence for the depth of my own craving and aversion. For the default response of my mind that leads to a sense of the intolerability of the imperfection of the human condition. And when something is assumed to be intolerable. The mind is overrun with agitation and fear. We can't repeat the original confusion. We can't take an aversive stance, stance of hatred or blame in relation to clinging, in relation to craving and aversion. We cannot hate our way out of hatred. We cannot cling our way out of craving. We love it to death. This is where the pasana and metta intersect. How can the heart be softened by the sense of intolerability, by the gross and subtle forms of craving and aversion? And we know craving and aversion as a phenomena arising in body and mind. To open our heart to it. to be courageous. Please come out of the small corner of the mind into which we often back ourselves. There's more space than we can imagine. The guards we've stationed at the door of the eye and the ear, at the door of feelings and the body and the mind. those guards can stand down Any any questions about your practice? Yeah, thank you. So, question of how, how much to pay attention to the underlying emotion of a certain kind of thought. Um, when uh, the the stickiness of thought is fueled by the rumbling engine of feeling, as far as I can tell. And so um, especially when when um, we find ourselves in kind of ruminative loops or really hooked with something or something keeps coming up, it's uh, a kind of uh, useful thing to to actually move to the body to sense the um, the kind of drivenness of the thinking. If the body is completely at ease or there's deep equanimity with the body, thoughts come through without making much of an impression at all. But when the 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 words and images in the mind are uh, kind of empowered by rumbling in the emotional body, activation in the body, then it gets much, uh, much stickier. But sometimes we, just like you're suggesting, there can be some value in in like, okay, I'm actually, it's some ways like the thoughts are the steam coming off the engine of feeling. And a lot of times we're like batting around the steam, you know? And there can be real value like of going into the engine basement, yeah. Okay, what does it mean to be still with this? And so... uh, Sometimes when we can actually develop a relationship of clarity, of wisdom, of kindness, with the state of activation in the body, the the thinking f- fades out or just becomes less compelling. And so you don't have to make that a kind of habitual move that you do in practice every time there's a lot of thought, but um, exploring that sometimes, like, okay, what would it be like to have a kind of, uh, a, a deep peace with this agitation in the body? And then look, how does that affect the mind and our view of what matters, our view of who we are, our view of what we need? Part of the the value of retreat is um, is we we get to really to really see the ways that we um, build our lives like Lego pieces of of narrative and how dependent that is often on the sense of incompleteness at the level of the body, the sense of something's not quite right. And something's almost always not quite right, you know? Like in any given moment, many things are right and many things are wrong. And so we, we can kind of build like an entire philosophy of life, of ourselves out of these like building blocks of dissatisfaction in the body, the sense of incompleteness, the sense of wrongness. You no. Know? like I uh you know you can it's like there's something uh, uh, missing from the breakfast line or something, right and uh, like we see that and we wanted something and there's a kind of unconscious process we're unhappy about it. The body kind of reacts there's some contraction, disappointment, dissatisfaction, but we miss it. we miss it it like it flies under the radar of mindfulness, and when it flies under the radar of mindfulness, it then catalyzes um, a kind of uh, the thought of like some sort of Political action committee around breakfast <laughs> and the strategy required to advocate appropriately. And it's like it just a lot of our, I mean, it's kind of a silly example, but it's like we actually do that a lot. Dissatisfaction at the level of the body is built into an entire way of living. And so here we're untangling the threads of of thought and feeling. And seeing how the world looks when there's some peace with imperfection. This doesn't mean there's... this is tantamount to passivity or we're accepting everything always. Not at all. We're accepting sensory experience in this moment. <coughs> sensory experience in this moment is as it is. That is not something we fight with. But the peace that we make with that sensory experience in this moment may lead us to action in the next. But it arises out of the bedrock of steadiness and equanimity. The yeah, others. Yes. You said we cannot end hatred with hatred. Yeah. What is hatred? Yeah. So I, I said that we cannot end hatred with hatred. Um, what is hatred? Um Sometimes the the uh, the there's a, a translation of a poly word that sometimes is translated as hatred, sometimes as aversion. And along with greed and delusion, those three are said to be a kind of like the engine of much suffering. In the more psychological sense, my my experience of hatred is it's like, it's like, um, it's a a, it's a kind of anger or aversion that that um, hardens into something that is uh, truly dangerous. It's a kind of. Um, um, fixed view and insulated heart and um, it is it makes cruelty possible it is inherently separating rather than connecting and so part of our practice is um, is to see ourselves in all being Because um it's it's not possible uh to hate another in the same way when we see ourselves in them. And this makes me think of of uh I was thinking of Martin Luther King as I, I said that and um you know Uh, You may murder the one who hates, but you cannot murder hatred. You may murder the liar, but not the lie. And so... his um, just steadfast commitment to love in the face of just unimaginable hatred is, um, it's a kind of North Star in my own practice. And I I alluded to a kind of radical nonviolence with relation to one's own experience and my sense is that um, that, uh, that hatred maybe always depends on a certain kind of the intolerability of one's own experience. And the more we actually practice a sort of uh, open-hearted loving relationship with the whole spectrum of our being, in its dignity and its humility, in its, you know, uh, beauty and its confusion, in our strength and in our vulnerability, the more we actually can fully open the heart to that, the the less possible it is to hate. You know, so much of my of my practice has just been the heart just being uh, softened by by craving and aversion, by opening to that. And one of my teachers, Shinzhen Young, said, "It's like um, it's like the the substance of our being is is kneaded like dough. You know? And that's a lot of what we're doing in the silence. We're just like letting ourselves be kneaded like dough. The Dalai Lama said said every once in a while, anger has a function. Every once in a while, anger can mobilize us to take action to prevent harm. Uh, Even though he's generally skeptical of it as as a source for motivating ourselves. But he said every once in a while it can help us. And then he goes on to say that hatred only ever destroys us. (coughs) That kind of hardened form of uh, division only ever destroys us. So we are um yeah entering the the heart of the retreat and um yeah there's a momentum that we're building together And we we can keep surrendering to the silence to uh to really take care in how we're we're moving, how we're eating, how we're transitioning to know that we're all affecting each other. My mind is very much dependent on the stability of your intention. It's very much like uh, co-created. We're all affecting each other, we're all serving each other. So without getting tight, without feeling like we're performing at all. Dharma, meditation, mindfulness, never a performance. Without feeling like we're performing, we're just offering our care and awareness. As we get uh, more quiet, we can start to um, collapse some of the distinctions between the sense of sitting, transitioning, walking, resting. So it's very important to notice where the mind goes when we stop paying attention, when we think the period is over. the bell rings, and the mind defaults to somewhere. It defaults to something. It feels like we're returning to who we are. It's like, oh, I was meditating, the bell rings, now it's time to get back to Matthew. Let's just hang out here for a little bit. <laughs> yeah. And then I'm like, yeah, I'm Matthew. And I want, fill in the blank. I'm doing pretty Fill in the blank. That kind of default position of the attention, um, it feels like our home, but uh, it's just a familiar corner of our thinking. We don't have to abandon that corner or the coziness of it. We just want to see where do I go when I think it's time to go home? What feels like home base? Because that is where our habits are at their densest. And there's a lot of suffering that hides out in our habits. Just with a lot of gentleness, we start to notice Good to be with you. The uh, meeting stru- uh, schedule is posted out there. So if you didn't have a meeting yesterday, you'll, you'll have one today. So check, check the board for the time. And uh, yeah, I wish you all uh, uh, a useful day. Thank you. Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.